Everyone has a story to tell, and every story is one worth telling. What's yours? Welcome to Friends with Ben. I'm honored to present to you the original voice of the Toronto Raptors, the legendary Chuck Swirsky joins the podcast to tell the story of his broadcasting career. He also talks about his most memorable moments working for the Raptors, his love for Canada, and why his faith is so important to him. This is the story of Chuck Swirsky. Oh, hold on, Chuck. There's something missing here. Uh, give me a sec. Uh, I think, oh, I think my looks, God. I think that looks a little better now. I love it. Ben, you're awesome. You're awesome. I got the box still, too. Oh, my gosh. Do me a favor. Take a picture of the bobblehead and the box, and would you send it to me? Because I don't even know if I have any more. Absolutely. Of course. This is one of my most prized Raptors collectibles. So. Well, you're very nice. How you doing, Chuck? I'm doing well. Thank you. This is very surreal for me because one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about sports and why I fell in love with basketball is because of you. Not only could I feel your passion for the game and your broadcasting, but it also taught me the game as well. You know, you, you made me care about basketball. It, it's created bonds and memories with my dad that, you know, I'll never forget. So for that, you know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have to start with one question. How did your mom feel when you broke her broomstick and hung it up from a light bulb to do play-by-play with baseball cards? Great question. She was not a happy camper. (laughs) And let's leave it at that. Had my dad been home, it would have been over. Just like (laughs) Vince Carter's dunk. First round for Vince Carter. Over. Over. <laughs> and, uh, but my mom was not happy. In fact, then while I'm telling this story, I remember exactly where I was. I was always talking. I know that's hard to believe, but I was a very <laughs> talkative kid. And so I wanted to be a sportscaster. I love sports. And it's not like I went to the television and turned it on because back in those days, They were lucky if they had one game of the week, and that was a baseball game. They never Mm -hmm. televised basketball. They they had the NFL, and that was on, and the old American Football League, and then they merged in 1970. So my mom was not happy, but then she kind of understood my passion, like your passion, and Mm -hmm. so she was cool. It came natural to you, and she realized it, and was like, okay, this is something that he really enjoys. I'm going to name three locations for you, and I want you to tell me how you feel about them, okay? Okay. All right, 104th Street and Interlake High School in Mercer Island. Okay, well, uh, 104th Street was the street where KFKF, it was a radio station, and it was a local radio station in Bellevue, Washington, just east of Seattle in that Mercer Island, Bellevue area. I got a job when I was 12 years old. The radio station was actually located in an outdoor mall. It was just a a plane of glass, the window you could look in and see someone spinning records. And they had the offices in the back. 
and I walked in and my mom was doing some shopping. I was locked in to this wire called the Associated Press and United Press International that would spew off information off a ticker tape, off oh, wow. paper. And so I walked in and I said, I want to work here. Oh, and the receptionist like says, I'm, I beg your pardon? And I said, <laughs> I'd like to work here. I want to apply for a job. Of course, I was very a precocious sixth grader. And so <laughs> she said, well, um, you're going to have to be a little older. And there was a guy in the back of her in the desk said, young man, come this way. And so he goes, you want to work? How about polishing those records? And you can take the trash and collect it. And maybe you can rip the wire and then put it news section, sports section, the weather, different compartments. Interlake High School. Interlake High School was a tremendous experience. Learned a lot, grew a lot. And uh, they had a radio station. It was an in-house radio station. Basically, it was a glorified public address address system. And so what we did is I got a chance to read all the school announcements in the morning. Class would start at 8 a.m. And what we would do is normally the principal would come on and say, boys and girls, here's what's going on at Interlake. We have an assembly at 1015. We have a baseball game after school at 230. We have a dance coming up on Friday. Buy your tickets. Sophomore class is holding a chocolate drive. And if you don't like chocolate, you're an American. Yeah, one of those things. Anyway, long story short, I was allowed to read those announcements. And Mercer Island, Bellevue, Kirkland, that whole area, Issaquah, the area where Zach Levine grew up in the Bothell, Woodenville mm. area, all those were on the east side of Seattle. Do you have any anything in particular about Interlake High School and Mercer Island together? Well, I mean, I, I can tell you that they were big rivals. Mm. Uh, there was the Mercer Island Islanders, I can mm -hmm. still see their school colors. They were maroon and white. Interlake and Mercer Island had some fierce, fierce games, especially in basketball. Mm -hmm. Mercer Island was an exceptional high school basketball program. And Interlake had a great football program. And I would think in that during my time, Interlake, Bellevue High School, Mercer Island, those were the big powerhouses during that period. And was that also not the first game you ever called? I'll tell you what, the first game I ever <laughs> called, halftime, the sports director of KFKF, as <laughs> I got a little bit older, actually, I was 14 and I was keeping stats. It was game of the week oh, nice. and he goes go ahead and I went uh. <laughs> I, I mean he caught me completely off guard mm -hmm. and he goes now with the next series here's Charlie Swirsky because no one called me Chuck no one mm -hmm. called me Chuck until I got to college and quite frankly I'm not a big Chuck guy because oh. I, th I think a Chuck is like someone I've told many people this. I think a, the word Chuck means that you're 6'5 and 210 <laughs> pounds and you're muscle. This is me. I'm Charlie. You know, I'm just me. So anyway, so I'm 14 years old. We're in the press box and he goes, first and 10 on the Islander 22-yard line. Charlie, take it away. Okay. <laughs> and so he, he, boom. That was the beginning. That's where it all started. That's where it all started. Eventually, you landed an internship at NBC Radio in Cleveland, and you asked the news director to review your tape. And he said something that I believe served as the catalyst for the man you are today. I did. And I won't mention his name, 
Of course. But again, as I'm, as I reflect on that period, mm -hmm. so I'm doing my internship and I'm working in the sports department and it was a great experience, unbelievable experience. After my assignments were over, the program technical director who had a studio, he would allow me to walk into the studio and record like a five minute sportscast. He would sit me down. He would say, okay, five, four, three, two, one and hit the button. He'd point at me and I would read a script that I wrote like a five minute sportscast. Then he would say, all right, let's review it. And he was great. So then I took it into the news director and the news director was like a big deal. I mean, this is NBC radio in Cleveland. He was a big deal. So I took it into him. I got enough gumption, enough courage, walked in, had my little cassette. So you can Google what a cassette is. <laughs> and I gave him my cassette and I said, would you please review my on-air ability? He goes, I'd be more than happy. Put it on his desk. Didn't see him the next day. Two days later, he says, I want to talk to you walk into the office. I'm standing in front of his desk. He's sitting down and he goes, you've impressed everyone here with your enthusiasm, your enjoyment of this business. But I think you probably need to, you know, think about going behind the scenes. I've listened to your work. I don't think you're going to make it as an on-air broadcaster. Mm. And I was shocked. Now, keep in mind, I always want people to be honest, always, within reason where, okay, I get it. You know, I'm 20 years old and I'm doing this internship and my journey hasn't even really started yet. I'm in the infancy stages of trying to find out what's going on in my world, even though I knew I wanted to be a sportscaster. Here, the news director said, no, you, this is not your thing. I was crushed, absolutely crushed, heartbroken. I said, Oh, and he goes, listen, there are a lot of great jobs available, but this isn't one of them. And trust me, I, it wasn't like I was applying for a job at NBC in Cleveland. Yeah, of course. 20. But I mean, he said, you know, your voice is too high. I just think you'd be better off in another position. So I left his office and I went down the hallway to a narrow hallway near the bathrooms and I cried. Mm -hmm. And I had to collect myself, and I'm not ashamed to admit this. I cried, got my act together like a couple minutes later, finished out the day. And as I think back on that day, I probably wasn't very good the rest of the day because it really altered my mind. I got home. I was living at my grandparents' place during my internship. Mm -hmm. And I went home. My grandmother knew something was up because mm -hmm. my grandmother was probably the most not only intuitive person I met outside of my wife, but she also was probably, when it was all said and done, my best friend because I could tell her everything. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that I didn't have a great relationship with my mom because I did. My father died when I was a little boy, but my grandmother was like everything. She was from Sicily. She had those Italian roots in her system where she got everything on the table. She had no filters. And I love that about her. And so she, I told her what happened and she goes, Chalutes, Italian for Charles. She goes, mm -hmm. I'm going to give you the rest of the day. And then tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up. You're going to go back to the station. You're going to do a, a great job. Mm -hmm. And you're going to prove that person wrong. And from this point on, I want you to think about that. 
every day for the rest of your life mm -hmm. because one word has been eliminated in my vocabulary. I said, what's that? And she goes, the word no. And she said, in, in our life, we hear the word no a lot. And you're going to hear no. This isn't the last time you hear no. Mm -hmm. But make no a yes by being better. Don't expect anyone to make you better. You can take their advice. But at the end of the day, this is on you. You own this. And so I thought about it. I was still really torn, you know what I mean? But it was very sage advice, the wisdom that she shared. So... I went in the next morning. I saw the news director. I was polite, not out of spite, harbor any bitterness, even though I, I to this day, I still remember him. You know, the irony of it is, if I can finish this and then we can move on here. No, so, feel free. So about maybe I would say 15 years ago, my former boss at WJR in Detroit mm -hmm. was running WABC in New York, like the number one station in New York. Wow. And he called me up. I was doing the play-by-play -play for the Raptors. Mm -hmm. And he goes, hey, our sports guy just left. I need a Band-Aid to get me through until I hire some." Somebody. Can you do morning drive sports on WABC in New York? Wow. We will send you the equipment. And it was called an ISDN where you dial it up. And it almost sounds like you're right there in the studio. Like what wow. we're doing now with Zoom, for example, the, the clarity of the microphone, the clarity comes across so beautifully. So they send me this apparatus and they had a technician from Toronto that they hired come in, put this ISDN cord in, and that's how I did morning drive sports from my office in Toronto in my house. Wow. And I was broadcasting back to New York. And the reason I'm telling you this is that when I went on the road with the Raptors, WABC would put me in a studio. So for example, if the Raptors were in Milwaukee, I would go to a studio in Milwaukee for morning drive sports. It was all I go into a little booth, so to speak, with a microphone. They'd hook me up. Boom, I do it. Well, now the Raptors are playing the Cavaliers in Cleveland. I walk into a radio station, different radio station, not NBC Cleveland, different radio station, and guess who is there? Your the news boss. director. Yeah. The news director who told me you'd never make it. This is a true story. Oh, my goodness. His health was failing. I went to him and I said, I don't know if you remember me. I mean, this is decades later. Of course. And I said, I don't know you remember me. I was an intern and you were the news director. And I just wanted to say hello. Honestly, I'm not sure he remembered me. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Mm -hmm. Maybe he doesn't even recall what transpired that day because of course. it was years later. Of course. But I thought, you know, here I am coming in as the voice of the Raptors and now on the side doing morning drive sports for WABC in New York. And my grandmother had since passed away. But uh, the full circle of life. So there's that story. Wow. First off, thank you for that incredible story. That moment that transpired with you and your grandmother, that really defined you for the rest of your career. And it's taken you on the journey you're on now. And I'm getting goosebumps right now just because of how inspiring that was. So thank you for that. It goes to show you were quoted as this being somewhat of a mantra for you where don't be satisfied, stay hungry, stay humble. Because when you were at Ohio University, not Ohio State for everyone listening, Ohio thank University you. and uh, WOUB, you took advantage of every sports opportunity 
opportunity presented to you, which goes to show, yeah, don't be satisfied. Go after everything because you never know where it's going to take you because you can always get better. I understand that you need balance in life. I get that. Mm, yeah. But I'll, I'll share a story and especially for young people who are interested in communications field, whether it's radio, whether it's television, whether it's digital, whether it's to set up your own company. So when I was in college, and again, we're talking about an age group from 18 to 22 years old. Yep. This is the last time probably in your life you're going to be surrounded by a demographic age-wise of that core group mm -hmm. of your existence. Because once you leave college, you're working with people with 10 years experience, five years oh, experience, yeah. 30 years experience. Yeah. You're going to have to deal with a lot of different elements that are coming at you. So I'm in college at the student radio station. You immediately just didn't walk in and say, I'm a radio sportscaster. You had to earn it. Mm -hmm. had to earn I it. mean, you had to earn it. And that's the way I want it. I didn't want anything for free. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Mm -hmm. And if anyone tells you there's a free lunch, they're wrong. There is no such thing as a free lunch. No. Okay. You got to take care of your own business because if you don't, somebody will. I earned that by hard work, hustle, going out, getting tape, writing copy, and working on my on-air. And the person who oversaw that said, okay, we were on the quarter system. Winter quarter, you're going on the air. My first sportscast in college, even though I had done the announcements in high school yeah. and we had the radio and the whole bit, this was a big step for me. On-air, college radio station. The FM station was 50,000 watts. And that's the first time someone ever called me Chuck. The on-air news guy, who was probably a junior or senior in yeah. college, said, hey, with the sports, here's Chuck Sporsky. And there was silence. Silence. Because I had never been referred to as Chuck. So I did the sports cast. And it's over. People are saying, hey, good job. If you want to come back next week, you can do the Tuesday sports cast, 6, 7, and 8 a.m. Absolutely. Well, now assignments are being offered to people. And I see no one wants to sign up for the weekend sports cast on the radio at 11. 15 p.m. Why? I'll tell you why. Because people wanted to go out and party. And party, yeah. You know, it's Saturday night, 11.15. It's Friday mm -hmm. night, 11.15. And I thought to myself, okay, you know what? I get that. But I want to get better. I want to excel. And if nobody was taking that I'm signing up for it. It's an 11.15 to 11.30 sportscast. It's going to make me write copy. It's going to make me show that I can implement audio cuts of a coach or a player into my sportscast. Yeah. And that's 15 minutes of on-air time I would never receive. Right. So I signed up for the weekend. And my friends in college are saying, what are you thinking? Yeah. Because it's you just don't show up at 11 o'clock and do a sportscast. You mm -hmm. get there at 8.30 yeah. or eight and start looking at the copy and scores mm -hmm. and so that's what i would do and from there it led to other assignments doing college play-by-play -play, high school play-by-play -play for our radio station woub if i can encourage young people think about the big picture here yep you can always go clubbing you can always go party but if you are given a chance to shadow somebody or to do at the your local radio station whether you're flipping discs or whether you're doing sports or doing news whatever 
do it. It goes to show that your work ethic is what will set you apart from everyone else. There's a quote that I love that I always apply to my own life where when you're sleeping, there's someone else awake trying to take your spot. So that mentality that you approach it with where you just, you took advantage of every opportunity that came in front of you. It's what led you to where you are now. And that's what eventually got you the job with the Raptors. And the first game you ever called, which coincidentally enough was also Vince Carter's first game. So what was it like going from calling 18 years of college basketball at DePaul in Michigan, transitioning from that slower pace of college style game to an electrifying pace sparked by one of the greatest athletes the game has ever seen? Well, I remember the first game, it was a truncated schedule. There was a labor dispute in the 98-99 season. So we had a very short training camp and we had two preseason games, one at the old Sky Dome and then one in Boston. And then we opened up the regular season, believe it or not, in Boston. So we played the Celtics like three times a week. But the first preseason game, Mm -hmm. Carter and Pierce's first game ever, whether it was regular season, preseason. Mm -hmm. And so I walk in, first time I had ever been in the building, and I got lost. I had no (laughs) idea where I was. There were a lot of moving parts, moving the family from the States, from Ann Arbor, University Mm -hmm. of Michigan, where we had called games. Mm -hmm. And I had caught a cold like about a day or two before, probably because my stress level brought everything. My immune system got crushed. Mm -hmm. And so now... I am feeling weak, nauseous. This, I'm doing my first ever NBA game. Yeah. And so I sit in that chair with Jack Armstrong. This is the first time I ever sat with Jack, ever. I met him a couple times when he was head coach at Niagara. I was doing the play-by-play at DePaul, and DePaul would have a series with Niagara. So we sit down, and I had gone into the stands at times to do NBA Mm play-by-play, but now you're calling the game. And it's just like a player. It's one thing to practice. It's another thing to play. Big difference. The adrenaline's going. Your whole body, like, locks in. So I'm doing this game. And the first five minutes, I was absolutely horrible. This game was so fast. And during the time I'm thinking, what in the world did I get myself into? (laughs) This game is fast. I mean, this ball is over the timeline in four seconds. We're in college. These are kids in college and they aren't Mm -hmm. at the pro level and Mm -hmm. they're not the athletes that the NBA level. And, you know, they zip the ball up the floor. But I remember Eventually, we got in the swing of things, and the radio station carried the games, the Fan 590, Mm -hmm. got some really good reports on the first game. Second game, it started to grow in our popularity of the team and because of Vince. And I'm not going to lie, Vince helped, no question. Of course, of course. But after the first game, I was drenched. (laughs) I was just perspiring because... I was ill. I was nervous. I had all these things going through. That's my very first. Now, the regular season first game, the opener, Mm -hmm. Willis had a big game, Kevin Willis. Think about these players. We had Kevin Willis, Charles Oakley, Oakley. Doug Christie, Christie. Dee Brown, Tracy McGrady was entering his second year. Vince Mm -hmm. Carter was a rookie. I love that team. We kind of faltered near the end of the season because Mm -hmm. I think they probably we realized, oh my gosh, like we have a shot for the playoffs (laughs) in in this year. (laughs) And then the last two weeks we kind of unraveled. But I really enjoyed those early Raptor years. It's great how that first game really dictated the pace for you because it made you essentially learn on the fly where you're like, okay, this is how quick it is. So it's like, I have to adjust. And it was great that you were able to get those reps in in the preseason rather than start right in the regular season. 
season. So that was great. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. We'll go back to Vince for a second. In 2018, you said that Vince was the greatest Raptor of all time. Do you still believe that? Well, I, here's here's my take. Okay. I mean, obviously, DeMar and Kyle and for a brief snippet, Kawhi. But, you know, when I look at the big picture of what Vince did, I'm wondering where the Raptor franchise would be in the early going mm -hmm. had Vince not been a Raptor. Mm -hmm. Let's say we don't make that trade. Let's say Antoine Jameson yep. would have been a Raptor. Where does this go? Antoine Jameson was a tremendous talent great mm -hmm. player but there was something about Vince with those dunks that got the novice the fan who is showing up just to see what's this basketball game all about who is this guy that's wearing number 15 it's over mm -hmm. your right shoulder who is the <laughs> why who is this Vinsanity this Air Canada Carter I got to go check him out mm -hmm. and so all of a sudden it just mushroomed the crowd was electric fans started to kind of think to themselves you know there's another sport in the country other than hockey and i think vince put basketball on the map now if you just talk about longevity and production during a window of time mm -hmm. of course you've got to look at DeRozan, lowry mm -hmm. as the greatest raptors ever but if you think about the big picture here yeah about who had the most profound effect on mm -hmm. the franchise i think it was carter i completely agree with you it's a debate that's depends on the context you can have very different answers like if you talk about long Longevity and overall impact performance on the court, you would say someone like Lowry. You talk about the most skilled and talented player, you could say Kawhi. But Correct. when it comes down to, like you said, the big picture of why basketball is as big and successful as it is in Canada, you have to say Vince. It's questionable whether Toronto would even have a franchise without him. Right. And I mean, there are arguments for all those players. Honestly, if Kawhi Leonard isn't a Raptor, Raptors don't win the championship. I completely agree. I completely agree. And that's not to say that Lowry and DeRozan couldn't have lifted that team to somewhere, but mm -hmm. Kawhi Leonard obviously was, <laughs> you know, I mean, the guy, the guy's doing Something the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. You know, right now, I would think that DeRozan and Lowry are on the cusp, maybe, because they're going to put numbers up. But I would assume somewhere down the road, Kawhi, well, Kawhi's a lock. Vince mm -hmm. is a lock. Mm -hmm. Lowry and DeRozan right now probably on the edge a little right bit. Right under. I would think that Vince definitely will have his jersey retired. Lowry will have his jersey retired. DeRozan will. Mm -hmm. Kawhi is going to be interesting. To That'll see be an interesting situation. That. So Chuck, I'm very thankful. I'm thankful for the man who wrote you that infamous letter telling you his favorite food. I'm thankful that it was salami and cheese because if it was anything else, like say, I don't know, like figgy pudding, I don't yeah. think it would have worked as well. So <laughs> to the non-hardcore Raptor fans listening, the origin of the infamous catchphrase, get out that salami and cheese. Basically a fan wrote you a letter. I got a letter and it was a letter. Not an email, but a letter. And it was from a guy, a Raptor fan, who watched the broadcast. And he said, you know, like, I'm just, I can't leave the den. I'm watching the game. I'm starving, but I don't want to, you know, leave the television set. Can you give me a sign so I can grab something to eat if the Raptors win? And he goes, oh, by the way, you know, my favorite sandwich is salami and cheese. So I thought, okay, whatever, you know, let's, let's go for it. So the next game, Raptors are up by like eight points with about 30 seconds to go or so. And they said, get out the salami and cheese, mama. This ball game is over. Get out the salami and cheese, mama. This ball game is over. What's the weirdest letter or request that you've ever received from a fan? 
The weirdest request. Uh, well, I had a lot of people saying, can you put me in touch with Vince Carter? Because oh, I want gosh. you know, I want to marry him. Oh. And, you know, that, okay, well, that's not my thing. So, yeah, yeah good luck to you. Um, <laughs> you know, stuff like, can uh, you want to go clubbing? Can you bring Tracy McGrady? <laughs> okay, like, no, not really. No way. Tell me Jack Armstrong's favorite bars on the road. <laughs> and... Uh, Oh no, I'm not gosh. going there. Oh my uh, gosh! So just little stuff like that, but it's yeah. all it's all good fun. It's all fun. Yeah, that's hilarious. So wow, <laughs> Raptor fans can be crazy. So yeah. <laughs> You're infamously known as Chuck the Canuck. You became a Canadian citizen in 2008. When we're not facing the Bulls, you still voice your support for the team on Twitter, which is incredible. So before I get into the big question, I need to know, because this has been bugging me leading up to this interview. Did you take the GO train? Yes. Yeah, because from Appleby, yeah, because you were in Burlington, correct? Yes, I love Burlington. I love the Applebee. In fact, the DQ was right next door to it. So, like, mm. I, I I stop at the DQ like all the time, like <laughs> all the time. And I would take the GO train, and I love the GO train. It was the best because it dropped you right there, right next to Union, yep. Union Station. Got out, called a game, turned around, mm. went back home. It was fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, I currently work for the Raptors. That's the route I take as well. Although I'll take it to Aldershot, and then from there i'll go over to, over to union so yeah it, it's so easy because it drops you right off at the arena my actual big question uh what was it about canada that made you embrace the country so much well i mean it sounds like a coin phrase but it's not but the people it's a, a mosaic portrait of the colors of the rainbow and the people in canada especially in these times where we really need inclusion and, and people to come together in unity you know one thing canada taught me was that they accepted all of us and it didn't matter race color religion sexual orientation whatever and it was great that canada opened their arms to me because I've been to Toronto once or twice on assignment. I remember doing soccer for the Chicago Sting when we would play in Toronto. Or, you know, growing up in Seattle, we'd go north to Vancouver. I did a soccer game in Montreal. I really didn't know Toronto as the years went by. And so I decided, you know what, I, I want to be a citizen because I thought I'd never leave. I thought it was going to be yeah. the, you know, the broadcaster for the Raptors until they told me, go home. I remember taking the test and I remember I passed. I remember the ceremony and it was really, really heartwarming. Nice, nice. And ironically enough, the year that you became a Canadian citizen is the year your career came full circle and you got to return home to the station where your career first started, WCFL, which now WMVP, but this time as a radio voice for the Chicago Bulls, was it hard for you at all to leave Toronto and to leave Canada? Absolutely. You know, this had nothing to do with the city, the country, the organization. Mm. I mean, in fact, I'll tell you, walking in to Tom Anselmi, who was the vice president, walking into his office was the hardest decision I've ever made. But we had some family things going on that we needed to address immediately. And so we made that decision. Can't look back and say, well, if I could do it again, because when you're in the moment, you're in the moment. Of course. But that 10 year period of time in Toronto, was really, really, really special. And I mean, I love the organization. Larry Tannenbaum, unbelievable human being, one of the finest people without question, probably in my life, outside of my family. He is probably the most influential person just because 
it's not like I talk to him or hang out with him or whatever, yeah. but just the way I see how he deals with people on a regular basis. And I remember the first time I met him and he was coming from the locker room after the game. The Raptors actually had lost. This was early Air Canada Center in 1999. He stopped and thanked almost three or four maintenance people right off the bat. And they're putting chairs away and taking care of the building. And I thought, wow, mm -hmm. here is the chairman and he's taking the time to do this. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this is the type of person that I want to work for. It's crazy how you have that story because I have a very similar story. So for the Raptors, I'm one of their hype men. So I'm the ones who like go around the arena and get the crowd pumped up and everything like that. Yeah, one I know. I, I've seen you. <laughs> Before one of the games, walking around in the concourse, this older gentleman in a suit, he was just walking through and he was like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm good. He's like, how's your day been? I'm just like, it's been all right. And, you know, went on his way. And I was like, all right, that was cool. I didn't know who he was at the time. And then one of my coworkers pulled up. He was like, yo, do you know who that is? And I'm like, I don't know, a, like a seasoned seat holder. So he's like, that's Larry Tannenbaum. And I'm like, yeah, that's the owner of the team. I'm like, oh, it goes to show like that's the kind of person you want to work for where he acknowledges Absolutely. every employee regardless of where yeah. they are. Yeah. One last basketball question. What are your thoughts on the current Bulls team? The last time they drafted a guard out of North Carolina, it worked all right for them. So I wish the Bulls were playing in the bubble because mm. it'd be more experience for Kobe White. And I love Kobe. I think he's going to be a fabulous player. This team is young. This team is growing. This team has some pieces, but this team has also not been able to stay healthy. Yeah. Therefore, on the floor, honestly, I'm not sure what we have. I want to see this club, the core players, play together. And we've seen a small sample size, and some of it's really, really good. Some of it, they're still trying to figure things out. I look at this team, and I'm thinking, they've got some things here, but we need more talent, obviously. We've got to remain healthy. And now with the new front office, with Arturis Karnishevis, along with Mark Eversley, a former Raptor mm -hmm. executive, yeah. I think really good days are ahead. We just got to get back on the floor. Right. And you know, with this NBA world of ours affected mm -hmm. by COVID, and again, nothing's official, but I'm thinking probably we won't see really live regular season action now until December. And from what I'm hearing, just rumors too. It's like, I don't know if we'll even get fans in the arena until like 2021, which blows yeah. my mind. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't know. I mean, I think a lot depends on if a vaccine is found and mm -hmm. it's a reliable one and a proven one. If the serum and the vaccine, it needs time. You just can't, we you know, just hide in a week. Hey, <laughs> it's going to be at your drugstore on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Not That's that not simple. No. So I think once people are confident that the vaccine has taken effect and that we've kind of stemmed the tide, then mm -hmm. I think we're going to get fans back in. I agree. Okay, Chuck, one last question before we get into our last segment. You have Psalm 46 quoted in your Twitter bio. As someone who's recently rediscovered their faith, it really inspires me to see other people's walk with Christ. So I just want to know, how has God provided you with refuge and strength on your journey? Well, 
I'm, I'm glad you asked this question, so I appreciate it. Yeah, my faith is everything. I look at my faith, and I hope people understand this. My faith in Christ isn't like a good luck charm. I talk to Christ every day, yep. and it could be at 8 in the morning, it's at noon, it's at mm -hmm. 2, it could be at mm -hmm. 3.15 in the afternoon yep. when I'm walking or I'm thinking about something and something might pop in my brain, or I'll get a text from someone, they'll say, how are you doing? And they'll say, hey, my son had a seizure. And right there, I'll say, Lord, like, I really don't know the whole situation here, but please be with this family and all the stress and the anxiety and be with this child because God knows what's in my heart that I'm reaching out to him. Whether it's the joyous occasions or storms and everything that comes. I'll give you an example, little things like two years ago, I'm driving my car and it's after a game, downtown Chicago, and it's really icy, very slippery. I made a left, left-hand turn, and out of nowhere at 11 o'clock at night, this bicyclist zooms in. Oh, and only through the grace of God, I hit my brakes mm -hmm. and that bicyclist kept right on going. And I'm thinking to myself, you gotta be kidding me. What this? What was he thinking? Number one, why would you ride a bike when it's ice? Yep. Secondly, and again, maybe he's coming from work, that's his only transportation the whole bit. Yep. So I wanna meet him halfway on this, but I'm thinking you're riding a bike in sleet. You have no neon apparel, no bright green, yellow, orange, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you zoom in front of a car making a left. And I'm thinking only through the grace of God. And so those little moments, you thank God. Course, I thank amen. God. So when I take my nightly walk with my wife, and I'm holding her hand, mm -hmm. that that's a moment yep. of peace. Of and I thank God for bringing my wife in my life and the whole bit. So my world in Psalm 46 really talks about dealing and having the the ability to say, be still and know that I am God. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of times where I'm not still. There are a lot yeah. of times when things happen, I'm thinking, hey, Lord, you know, let me let me talk to you about something. <laughs> we, we <laughs> yep. need, we, you and me, we need to have a talk right now. Of course. <laughs> but my wife gave me, a, she sent me a great devotional the other day. Nice. And it's understanding about no. We talked about no, you know, mm -hmm. earlier with this. And sometimes God is putting no in your life for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so when I was reading that devotional, I was thinking about that news director who said no, yep. and how the Lord's journey, that moment propelled me mm -hmm. in a positive way yep. for a lot of life lessons that you're going to have to persevere, that you're not always going to get, quote unquote, what you want or expect to hear at that moment, uh -huh. that there is a reason why you're hearing no. Uh -huh. And no may mean there's something better for you. No yes. just means no, or no, in my case, with my grandmother, was a life lesson. Yes. And mm -hmm. I didn't figure it out until I saw my career unfold in front of my eyes. Yeah. So that's, to me, in a roundabout way about my faith. That's absolutely incredible because one of the things that I've learned through my faith journey is exactly that. Life may not be going the way you pictured it, but as long as you have faith in God, you have to understand that he has a better plan that's beyond our own understanding. And we just have to pray to him every day. No matter what the destination that he has for us, it will be there. He's just guiding us to get there. There'll be times where we're on our path and we falter a bit, we wind a bit, but as long as we continue to pray and keep 
keep strong in our faith, God continues to guide us on our path. So thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. Thank you. We'll close this off with some rapid fire questions and then, you know, I'll let you go here. All right. Okay. You're doing a great job, by the way. This is fun. Oh, thank you, Chuck. I appreciate that so much. All right. Favorite sandwich that doesn't involve onions, salami, or cheese? Uh, I love tuna. A lot of people are saying, are you kidding me? A tuna sandwich? (laughs) But actually, tuna sandwiches are underrated when you have like a tuna melt yes. with cheddar mm-hmm. cheese and red onion. Oh it's my goodness. really, really good. Mm. I'm just saying. Favorite Raptors player to interview and favorite Bulls player to interview? Well, here's the thing. I get asked that question about favorite Raptor interview. And to me, I can't pick one because they were all great. You know, That's some right. are more outgoing than others. But just because of a person is a little bit more outgoing doesn't mean that another person couldn't deliver a good interview just like mm-hmm. so i'm gonna put that one on hold the other for, for sure the other one was favorite bulls player to interview same thing same because, thing you know, okay like, i mean i've had interviews with people who are very charismatic then i've mm-hmm. had people who are like thought-provoking and you think wow okay i never saw that side of this player or this player actually may not be the most vocal in the locker room but getting him away from the microphone it's pretty neat so sorry about that no no it's okay it's okay i'm just giving you it's it's all good you're honest so that's great i love it i'll tell you this the guy that was when we would interview he had a very brief raptor career and he was really he was a different dude but a great guy was always smiling garth joseph do you remember him yeah go on from Denver in the okay. Keon Clark, Kevin Willis deal. We would interview him and like in the middle of a sentence, like I would say, hey, Garth came in third quarter, made a difference. Tell me about your mindset when you entered the ball game, when you went up against a certain player. And he would say, well, I got on the floor and I started to rebound. And like in mid-sentence, he goes, I'd start to rebound. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And the first time he did this, I'm thinking like, are you okay? And that was his thing. He did these primal screams out of nowhere. <laughs> what the world? All-time starting five of Canadian he foods. These are my favorite foods in Canada. I'll tell you what, in no order, but okay. Cadbury, like I'm addicted. Like I am addicted. When I go to Canada, I bring back, don't tell the customs people this, but I do bring back a lot. Okay, that's just my thing. I got into poutine a little bit. Mm. I can't say that I'm like really, really, really sold on it. But I went there and that is something that I really like. And then just the typical type of Canadian food that you eat, that I eat, the Montreal beef, you know. Have you ever had a beaver tail? I have not. Tell me about that. It's like a deep fried pastry and you can put like anything on. There's actually a Cadbury beaver tail. Really? Yeah. So when this whole pandemic clears up and the bulls come to town, we'll get you a Cadbury beaver tail. All right. Because I feel like that will change your life. Well, you know, the thing is I got spoiled when I was doing games. People would bring us food all the time because we talk about food all the time on the air. Of course. It was great. The fans were so good to me and our family. And that's why every time I go back to Toronto, it's almost bittersweet because I love calling games there. But then I Mm. think of so many memories inside that building but i you know the great thing is i I always want to celebrate that 10-year period because it meant so much to my heart when everything opens up first thing on the list cadbury beaver tail okay next question vince carter or derrick rose oh wow 
Wow, really? You went there? I mean, <laughs> I, I listen, I can't go against either one. I mean, okay. Derek, came, Derek was drafted by his hometown team, mm-hmm. MVP, youngest ever at 22. I mean, if you say who had a better career, even though Vince never won the MVP, I would think that Vince probably had a better career. Oh, that's great. My goal was to stump the Swirsk, which I know oh. you're familiar with. <laughs> yes. I feel like I did that there. Check that yes, off my list. <laughs> okay. Who's the better chef, Bill Wennington or Jack Armstrong? Bill Wennington. Most memorable Raptors game you ever called and most memorable Bulls game you ever called? Most memorable Raptor game I ever called, game five, 2001, Garden in New York. No one's given the Raptors a chance. You go into New York City Friday night. I was so pumped for the game. I was like, and that game was awesome. Alvin Williams had a big time shot in that game in the fourth quarter. I was going crazy. I went into the locker room. Locker room is excited. And then all of a sudden, I'm realizing we have a game Sunday in Philadelphia. And we actually won the first game in Philly Mm -hmm. of that series. We actually, the Raptors should have won that series. But that's another story. That's another story. Don't get me started on that. (laughs) But the game seven with Vince was an incredible day with him graduating. And the thing is that Vince, with this peripheral vision, saw, I'm not sure it was Aaron McKee coming over to slide over. And that's why he hesitated on the double clutch but had that shot gone in i'm convinced we would have gone to the finals i completely agree completely agree because the matchup with the bucks was in our favor now if we would have beat kobe and Shaq, that's that's another that we that's that's another another story story. (laughs) but it would have been fun oh that would have been great Uh, most memorable bulls game i would say probably game six of the 2009 playoffs bulls and celtics Triple mm. overtime. Joakim Noah raced the length of the floor, dunked it. I mean, it was great. One of the greatest playoff series of basketball that I've ever watched in my life because there were so many overtimes in that series. That must have been fun for you to it call was, all those it games. Was a, it was one of the best playoff series. And the Raptors 76er series was great. Well, congratulations, Chuck. You've passed the Friends with Ben Rapid Thank Fire you. Gauntlet. And I appreciate you doing this. Thank you. And stay in touch and let me know if I can help you in any way. Oh, thank you so much, Chuck. You are awesome. Keep doing your thing. And that was the story of Chuck Swirsky. If you like the episode, feel free to like, comment, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on Anchor, Spotify, or Apple, feel free to rate and review. Thank you for tuning into Friends with Ben, and we'll see you on the next one.